Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to the Best in the World with Richard Barr. Every week I interview an Olympic champion, a world champion, a former world record holder or a former world number one to find out what they do differently to become the very best in what they do. So they are better than us average Joes at their task at hand and we cover all kinds of things with these amazing characters it could be diet tips it could be things related to nutrition it could be their routine it could be rituals it could be meditation it could be the location of where they go to train it could be their family background we cover all of these different things and more every single wednesday on itunes and on stitcher and at richardpark.com net we've had so many fantastic great guests from all different walks of life and all different sports and today for the first time we're in the world of equestrianism in fact eventing and i had the pleasure of speaking to lucinda fredericks lucinda fredericks and her horse headley britannia became the only horse and person to complete a career grand slam at Burley, Badminton and Kentucky in eventing. It's a really fun chat with Lucinda. We cover all kinds of different things about how she got started in the sport and how she was able to finance it, including how she used to sell cars before she ended up selling horses to help finance her career. She talks about how she was very driven at a very young age in her teens and knowing exactly what she wanted to do in her life. She speaks about her time at the Olympic Games and also the fact that it was only when she was in her 30s that she really became very good at the sport. We talk about her love of her horse, Headley Britannia, and everything related to her and how now other people are using mares in their eventing. And yeah, it's a fun chat with Lucinda. We talk about ambitions, we talk about passion, we talk about falls. There's so much in this amazing chat on today's Best in the World with Richard Parr. All right, we'll get to it in just a moment, but I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible's one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world. 
look, if you're listening to this, you clearly love podcasts, so you're going to love listening to audiobooks just as much. Um, in fact, I'd be surprised if you're not already listening to audiobooks, but if for some reason you're not, check Audible out. I use them myself. Currently listening to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's autobiography on Audible. They are offering a free 30-day trial for the listeners of The Best in the World with Richard Barr, and that includes one free download, so it's worth giving it a go. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. All right, get those pens and papers out. Get that notepad on your mobile device. It's audibletrial.com forward slash best. Download a book. Give it a go. Let me know what you think on my Twitter at Richard underscore par. I would love to hear from you. Do you know what I love to hear from? Lucinda Fredericks, because she is the best in the world. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Lucinda Fredericks, welcome to The Best in the World. It's so great to have you on the show. Let's start from the very, very beginning. How did you first get interested in horse riding and eventing in particular? Well, um, first of all, thank you very much for... um, you know, uh, talking to me and thinking that I'm good enough to come on your show. Um, I was one of those typical little girls who just um, wanted to ride from, you know, age three. Uh, didn't really get my own pony until I was nine. Um, and even then, uh, it was uh, some crazy little black pony from the f- sort of forest in Germany because my parents were based over there. And um, he used to bolt everywhere and ditch me and whatever, and I just used to get back on and think that was great. Um, and I don't, I sort of, I think literally from the age of 12, um, I just loved the cross country. Uh, and I don't, and I think the show jumping would have been a little bit, um, <sighs> there wasn't fast and, and sort of risky enough for me. Um, and certainly the dressage, you know, that sort of came with the, with the package of eventing, it wouldn't have been something I'd wanted to have done as a career. Uh, and from sort of 13, 14, I was already working out how on earth I was going to run this uh, as a business because my parents didn't have any any money or farm or facilities. So somehow I had to do it uh, as a business. Um, so I sort of got to 16, um, did my GCSEs, uh, left school and went straight into working um, at a couple of different yards uh, through the winter months, sort of October through to January, um, and just saved money. Uh, I worked for a show jumper, and I worked for Richard Mead, actually Harry Mead's dad, um, for sort of four months each. And then uh, in the meantime, my uh, horse, I had a horse by then, you know, that... I'd sold that to a pony and got into another pony and sold that very well and got into a horse and uh, all young horses, as in I never had anything, ever had anything made. Um, and then just started to to work out that actually um, I had to buy and sell something. So I bought and sold cars first. I used to go down to the British car auctions in order shot and go and buy a car and sell it for £100 more two weeks later. I thought that was great. And then um, I did the same with horse boxes, and then bought, you know, took took a gamble, and I think paid about 
£1,200 for my first uh, proper horse myself. Uh, I managed to sell it, you know, for a good few thousand nine months later. I thought, right, well, this is the only way I'm going to, you know, live my dream. So my three ambitions were to win badminton, win a medal at the Olympics and make enough money that I could do my passion. So from the age of 13, 14, um, you know, I I knew what I wanted to do. How I was going to do it was going to be a little bit, um, well, I had to keep my mind open, put it that way. Mm. And my my mum my was a very, very good support. She was my groom, which, you know, would have saved me thousands of pounds over the years. And my dad just used to say, well, you can live at home, pay the phone bill, which, of course, in those days was actually quite a lot because mm, yeah. we didn't have mobile phones. And and off, off we went. So, um, yeah, and I was very lucky to have my grandmother was she bought me a horse. Um, as a, it was just a failed racehorse actually, and I um, did well on that at juniors. Never got on the junior team, but I got on the young rider British team, and then got selected for the sort of um, Barcelona Olympics as a reserve. I was a sort of um, non-travelling reserve, but by that time I'd sort of I was always aware that talking to people uh, wherever I was. Um, and just trying to, you know, always be polite and and meet as many people as possible. And eventually I just got, you know, two or three owners who, um, you know, would send me their horses to produce and sell, uh, horses that needed, you know, to actually be com- competed. And I had um, a lovely couple called David and Diana Rickard, who had sort of my first um sort of real big big winners like just Jeremy won the first ever Blenheim actually on my twenty fifth birthday. And then uh my I had a a super old old man called Peter Pritchard who gave me a horse that William William Funnel had show jumped and he said, Look, it's just not quite good enough, would you have entered? So that took me around my first Badminton and Burley, Wilson Fair game. Um, so it's just, you know, a lot of it's, a lot of it's luck, a lot of it's just sheer determination, dedication, sacrifices, um, and just, you know, having, if you've got a passion, you've got to, you just got to follow it and somehow, um, you know, live your dream really. And I've been extremely lucky to have done that and so far survived. I've had a few near misses on the way, I have to say. <laughs> mm. Um, I mean, our sport is... It's, you know, you've got to be slightly mad to do it. Uh, it is risky, very risky. Um, and it, it's something that if, if you haven't got, you know, you've got to be a little bit on the edge, I think, to do our sport well. Um, you just, and it's when it goes well or it doesn't go well, you know, you've got to be prepared to, to bounce back. And, you know, if you do well, you've got to just, you know, milk it. And if you don't, well, you just say, wasn't my day today. I'm fine. The horse is fine. You know, uh, let's just crack on and go again. Um, but running as a business has, has been a massive, massive satisfaction and reward for me because um, it's all down to hard graft. You know, I've, <clears throat> it's not like I've had, you know, great horses bought for me 
uh, eat my best horse, Hedley Britannia, you know, came to me um, to be sold. No one really wanted her, so, you know, I competed her for a year, did very well on her, managed to get a very good um, owner into her who supported me with her and then, you know, I won enough money to buy her back, you know, and uh, I think another thing that was unusual on my part was I did well in in my 20s um, and, won, and won quite a lot, but was never quite... Um, not the big winner, you know. I got placed at Badminton, placed at Burley, you know, in my twenties, and won three star and won a number of two stars. Then got married, changed my nationality to Australian, um, and not because it was any easier to get on the team. Actually, it was because I had a Grand Prix, or I'd made a Grand Prix dressage horse, and I couldn't get anywhere with the British, so I swapped to Australia and actually got to some international shows uh, and then actually got selected to go to the rest of the World Games as a dressage rider in 2002. And my passport, Australian passport, didn't come through in time. So I couldn't actually physically go. Wow. And I know, I know. Um, and then I got pregnant. So 2003 was sort of um, gone. And um, I had Ellie, uh, who's now 13, in 2003, and then got back. And, and actually then, I think having a child that late, I had her at 37, um, actually 38, because she was a week late, so I can blame her for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a very good broodmare, so I think I was, I was lucky to have one. And... Um, yeah, so I, it took me a bit of time to recover, but you know I had her in October, so I had you know a winter to get back. And Hedley Britannia was the one horse I got back on, um, full of confidence, and had an absolute, you know, amazing run with her for the sort of seven, six, seven years with her uh, from sort of 2002 through to uh, 2010, really. Mm. So, yeah, eight years with her. And, of course, now I've got all her offspring. Well, I say all. I've got two advanced horses who um, were the only two, I think they are the only two foals ever born while both parents were competing at the Olympics. So, Britt and her husband, Jaguar Male, Jaguar Male was competing on the Swedish show jumping team in Beijing, and Britt was doing her eventing bit for Australia. And we'd already, um, you know, done the embryo transfer. So both uh, Little Britannia and Britannia's male were born while both parents were at the Olympics. And I don't think that's ever been done before. Wow, that's amazing so, heritage. Yeah, I know, I know. And I mean, you know, there's sort of, you, you sort of slightly take it for granted at the time. And, you know, people come into my house and say, oh my gosh, you know, can I see your medal? And it's like, oh yeah, it's on the mental piece. And it's, and it's sort of, it all goes in a bit of a blur. It does. And, you know, I, I watched the Olympics this year in Rio and I was just thinking, you know what, I would love, just would love to be there again. But, you know, I can't. I'm, you know, too old or, or too crocs, I think, is more to the point. You know, my body can't really cope with any more, you know, big crashes and everything. So I've got to just be a little bit more careful. Um, I will run uh, these two at, at advanced level this year and three-star level. Um, 
but uh, you know it takes an awful lot of um, sacrifice and discipline you know with whether it's I mean I never dieted I was lucky uh, I didn't have to um, but I you know we did work hard on fitness and and generally I didn't do anything particularly extra I did I did run I did run in the sort of lead up in for the sort of six months in the lead up to each Olympics um, and and I I didn't do it when I was younger. I didn't I didn't seem to have to, but I certainly had to work harder as I got into my forties. And having had a child, I had to work harder to to be, um, you know, to be fit enough and strong enough. And uh, I mean, nowadays I think the you know the the personal trainers are, are very very much more knowledgeable than they used to be. And would mm. I think now you can you know everything's just gone up the level and, you know, the, the athletes, you know, have to work uh, just as hard. There are no shortcuts at all. Um, and I think that's with any sport, you know. Uh, even if you do everything perfectly, you probably <laughs> might not win at the end of the game. You know, and there is a little bit of luck involved as well, especially with the horses, you see, because you can be absolutely fantastic and then, you know, something can happen to the horse and it can wake up with a, you know... Uh, a bruise on its foot or a cough or a cold or a rub somewhere or an infection in its leg, you know, anything, you know, and you hear all, you know, real hard luck stories. I think there was one last year in Rio where uh, one of the New Zealand horses uh, caught its mouth on something on the door and ripped its mouth and couldn't compete, you know, and it was probably one of the favourites to, to have won a medal. More great knowledge from Lucinda coming up in just a moment. But I want to tell you that today's show is also brought to you by the breakfast show Sportachino. It's a project I'm personally involved with. 
We broadcast live on Facebook, YouTube, and on Periscope every single weekday morning from 8 GMT. If I could ask you to do one thing, it would be go to facebook.com forward slash Sportuccino. If you don't know how to spell it, it's S-P-O-R-T-U-C-C-I-N-O. So facebook.com forward slash Sportuccino and like the page. Watch the show and let me know what you think. Is there anything you'd like to see in the show? Is there anything you really enjoy about the show? Get involved in the comment section. I would love to hear from you. So that is today's joint sponsor of the best in the world. All right, let's get back to the chat with Lucinda Fredericks. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Now, you, you mentioned your success with Headley Britannia. What was it about this horse that, and your relationship with her that, that made you both so successful? Um, probably because she was sort of too small, like wrong size, wrong sex, wrong colour. No one wants a chestnut mare that, you know, doesn't, uh, uh, technically isn't particularly correct. So she didn't jump classically. She didn't move particularly well. She wasn't massively, you know, she wasn't beautiful. Uh, she wasn't ugly, but she was just correct without being outstanding in any way. Um, but she had this massive heart. And we just we just both wanted to win so much. And we m- managed um, to to work together and train together. Uh, and, and it's it's on you, you know, it doesn't happen that often. A lot of people have amazing horses and many, many amazing horses. I didn't. You know, I ended up with, I did have two or three other amazing horses, but they weren't sound, as in, you know, they, they would hurt themselves. Um, and, you know, the, the confirmation of the horse um, is hugely important if, if they haven't got strong enough legs or strong enough feet, you know, or... Uh, you know, a weakness in their actual makeup, then, you know, you that's an uphill battle. And you get horses that would win one four-star and don't get seen again. Or, you know, they can be amazingly sound all their lives and not actually be quite good enough. Uh, and I was extremely lucky with Britt that she, you know, she was not only tough and sound, but she had this incredible will to win. Um, and being a mare, you know, they're just a little brighter. Um, and if they're on your side, oh my gosh, do they try for you. Hmm. And I think Brit's done an amazing job to encourage people to to try harder with the mares. You know, in you know, 10 years ago, people would hardly even look at a mare. And now you go to the young horse classes around the world, world uh, championships, and most of the horses are mares or stallions. Oh, wow. So there that... are very few. I know. So in, you know, five years' time, there'll be even more mares on the scene. And I think Hedley Britannia really, really helps hmm. uh, that. I it, think, you know, she it, was great for that. It's great that she's in, inspired this. So together you won Burley, you won Badminton, you won Kentucky, completing the Grand Slam. You got silver medal in the Olympics. Out of all of them, 
what was your favourite victory together? Um, and she won the Hickstead Eventing Derby as well. Mm. Well, there's so, there's so many more things you won as <laughs> well. I'm, I'm, I'm just listing I know, some of the highlights. I know. Well, that was quite good because <laughs> I won I won a car that day. That was really cool. Um, and I think probably Kentucky. Uh, I know you think, oh gosh, what, what about Bamson? But actually, she won Bamson from the front, which made that extra special. So she won. Um, I think she's one of the very, very, very few horses, if not the only one. Uh, I think there's only been one other recently uh, who's actually won it from the uh, first day, e.g. leading on the first day and holding their lead throughout the time. The only reason Bamton wasn't my favourite was because I actually had a show jump down. Um, and But was ahead of, ahead of the game and the ground was very, very hard, so I didn't actually enjoy it. Um, Burley, I came from second to win, so therefore I won it because Andrew Hoy had rails down, and that's not quite the same. And then Kentucky, um, she was fantastic. Um, uh, a little bit too feisty on the cross country, but I probably had the most exhilarating five minutes of my life riding her because I was down on the clock at, at uh, six minutes and I managed to make the time, and it was just amazing. Um, so I would have said, yep, Kentucky was, was the best one. You know, each event has its, has its special memories. And I have very, many of them, but the, the best memory is, you know, coming home with the sound halls. Um, there's no point going out and winning and then not coming out again. And, you know, Britt went to Kentucky and then she came back again, you know, after that. Um, and she went to the Open Championships at Gatcombe and was placed there. And then she had embry- another embryo transfer. Um, and then, to be fair, I started to be, I mean, I was very fussy where I would um, actually run the halls cross country. Uh, you know, I, I'd, went, I'd gone to Germany to Le Moulin and, the, and led the dressage and didn't like the ground. You know, the ground was rough and hard. And I went, sorry. I'm going to drive all the way home, having done the dressage test. I did that the same in, uh, I went to Poland. Um, didn't like the ground. Uh, she didn't like hard ground. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why she survived as long as she did. Um, because she had to work probably double as hard as most of the other horses on the circuit because she was little and short striding and she had to try really hard to do it all so um for me out of out of nearly all the horses um that have been successful in their sports she would be one of the ones that had to you know wasn't natural and had to really try there have been more brilliant horses than her but she would have done it through you know sheer guts and determination and i you know will always respect her uh for that and i've been extremely lucky that she you know uh was a part of what made my career she made my business she made my career she made my name so you know i couldn't be more thankful to her i know we did it together but yeah i will always be grateful to her yeah an amazing team 
So just give us an idea of what a, a typical day together w- would be like, what time you'd get up, wh- how often you'd uh, feed her. Just just give us a, 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 a brief overview of a typical day Are we talking about together. my horse or my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> talk about your horse, you can talk about your daughter as well, because it's all part of your life. Tell, tell well, us when, when yeah, you feed your horse and your daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, life's a bit different now. You know, priorities have slightly changed, um, you know, and it is purely now about running it as a business. Um, I've got, you know, to get Eddie through school for the next uh, six years. Um, and in the, in, I'd say in the old days, you know, up till about four years ago, um, I would just go out. Uh, I'd take Eddie to school and I would go out and I would ride until I finished, literally just ride. And I would like to ride sort of eight, ten horses a day. The more, the merrier. It's just like, you know, the more time I could spend in the saddle, the happier I was. And then I would come back in, going early from school. And then it was just sort of more uh, maintaining. I did a lot of teaching. We have a lot of, you know, working pupils here, or had done over the years. Um, and actually, we had Alex Watien, who's a you know, top Chinese rider. He was based here for a number of years. Um, so we trained him. Um, and it, you know, it's just every day is different. There's never, um, you know, the routine is the fact that the horses. I mean, I've got about fifteen now um, that are in my care, and um, the horses have to be done every day. They get work six days a week, um, and then you just spend time training. Sometimes training at home. Sometimes going to team training i've been very very lucky to have some amazing sponsors over the years um and now my main ones you know pure feed look after all my team of horses um and uh you know i've been lucky to have whether it's you know a, a devigo saddle sponsor or westgate um or lots of little sponsors you know and i'm very lucky but you've got to work hard at keeping them and uh, and keeping your owners, you know, my owners have been, uh, you know, it's hard for owners. They put an awful lot of money into it, and then you know they can have more disappointment than the rider. The rider will always get onto another horse, but you know the owners, if they've got one horse or two horses or five horses, you know, they, it's more it goes wrong more times than it goes right. So you know you've got to look after them. You've got to have a massive team of, you know, whether it's I have a secretary, I have a marketing girl, I have a groundsman. You know, I've got pupils, I've got head girls, I've got uh, two other riders based with me, Rebecca Howes from Canada, um, and uh, Kelly McCarthy Maine, they're based here. So, you know, we all work together um, and help each other. Well, we don't train each other at all, but we, you know, bounce ideas off each other. You know, I'll build an exercise in the arena and they'll use it and it vice versa. You know, and it's nice to have that. I, I wouldn't want to do it on my own. I think it's a very sociable, um, it can be a very sociable thought. But now, you know, my priorities have changed and I want to spend more time at home. Um, I want to spend as much time as I can with my daughter. You know, I, li- I like to go and watch her play uh, netball and hockey at the weekend. Um, I will always try, if I'm going to an event, to say, can I have early times, please? So that, 
then I can get, I don't mind getting up early in the morning at all. Um, and uh, I would want, you know, to get back home um, and at least not, I mean, not, yeah, I would drive further and get up earlier and make sure I get back home so that I can, um, uh, you know, spend those, that quality time with, with you know my family which is really really important but you know i'm 51 i don't want to um i don't want to be away from home too much when you're when you're younger and it's completely you know your your obsession and your life and your dream and you've got uh aims to to meet and your ambitions to uh to get to and money well the money side you know has always been important to me i've had to earn a living from it um and i'm very lucky that you know brit won an awful lot for us uh i was you know clever enough to you know clever enough and smart enough wise enough i think Hmm. from a young age to to actually you know say yes to selling horses that a lot of other people would have kept but you know i it took me a long time to get on a team because i had to sell a lot of good horses to to you know to get the business up and going and to to keep living because you know i like to live um uh sort of i like to live well i like to live comfortably but you can't live comfortably unless you're going to work hard or unless it's all given to you on a plate, which it wasn't at all for me, you know. I would have been, I think I would have been one of the very, very, very few riders. And there was another guy called Owen Moore and myself who were literally at the top of our game, sort of early in like 2002, was that 2002? No, sort of mid late 90s. Um, mid 90s, when we were sort of, um, he had a lovely mare called Locomotion and I was sort of Arctic Goose, just Jeremy time. And we were about the only two that were still renting, you know, and I rented all my life up until from literally the age of, of my dad being in the army in Germany, renting army boxes to 2000 when we bought Rosegrass, where I am now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's that's it, really. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely an amazing story, Lucinda. It's been so great to hear from you. Just before we go, I want to let you get back to Ellie and uh, spend more time with her. Um, But just before you go, can you just tell us how we can continue to follow your journey uh, through uh, your website or any social media links, please? Yep, I have a wonderful marketing girl called Emma Charlton and my secretary, Deb Faulkner. And if you just go to um, basically Lucinda Frederick's Equestrian, um, you can get all the information there. Um, so we do stallion services with my stallion, Hedy Britannia's son, who um, has had about, I don't know, 45 foals already and he's only just turning nine. Um, and I've got. Um, Oh, those, Emma does sort of Twitter and Facebook. But if you go to Lucinda Project Question, you can um, stuff it all out there. And um, I'd love to hear from anybody who's got any questions or wants to ask me anything. I'm very, very happy to, you know, uh, get back and um, give anybody informi- any information. 
um, even if it's just a question about their horse or whatever. Always very happy to, you know, share my views or try and give advice. All right. Wonderful. Well, we'll put all of those details in the description page of this podcast. Make sure we've got the right social media links there as well. And I wonder if back in the day you bumped into my uncle at that Aldershot auction when you were buying and selling cars. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All those many years ago. Well, listener, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for being the best in the world. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much indeed. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Really good to learn from Lucinda there. And we will be back in the stables again, so to speak, in a few weeks' time when I'll be interviewing the team jumping gold medalist from the 2004 and 2008 Olympics, Beezy Madden. It's a great chat with her. Stay tuned to my Twitter page at Richard underscore Parr. And also our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash best in the world with Richard Barr to find out when that show will come out. If you've enjoyed this show, but also want to learn from other great Olympic and world champions, go back and listen to a few of them. We've had so many fantastic guests on the show. I can't list them all, but we've had Veronica Campbell-Brown, for example. We've had Stephen Hendry, the snooker champion. We've had David Campisi. We've had Alfonso Cunningham, Paralympic champion. We've had so many amazing guests on The Best in the World, and we've got so many more to come. We're out every single Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher. If I could ask you to do one favor related to our show, please go to iTunes, subscribe to our show, and give us a rating and review. It really matters a lot. All right, I'll be back with you next Wednesday on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. But until then, have a great week. Take care. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 